0: Okay, good morning, everybody. It's good to see some new faces. Seems like the discussion is more popular than Zazen. So, last week, uh, at the end of Ango closing, if you remember, I spoke about the importance of knowing how to maintain the vitality of our practice in a way that is not too tight and not too loose. And so today... I would like us all to examine what this means on a personal and experiential level in terms of maintaining the essence of Zen practice on a momentary basis, regardless of where we happen to be or the activity we happen to engage with. So, In our our tradition, generally, there are two ways to engage with the practice as a monastic practitioner and as a lay practitioner. Both ways have their challenges and both ways can be tremendously conducive and illuminating. For a monastic practitioner, daily life revolves around all traditional aspects of practice and efforts are directed to deepening one's practice while maintaining the monastery and its various activities. Partaking or practicing in this way can be deeply awakening, But it can also lead to becoming uptight, dogmatic, and somewhat disconnected from the world. And there is the danger of getting trapped in the essential reality. For a lay practitioner, daily life revolves around making a living, paying the bills, raising kids, dealing with various daily challenges. The exposure to traditional aspects of Zen practice are usually limited and sporadic. And the only daily uh, engagement with what we consider formal practice is daily Zazen. Now, practicing this way can also be deeply awakening, but it can equally be a problem or be problematic because it can lead to loosening the resolve and it can lead to dilution of formal practice. And so there is the danger of getting trapped in the conventional reality or what we call conventional realm. On a fundamental level, what we call Zen practice is wide, open, and does not have any parameters. Yet, based on the way we engage with with life or the practice, we can either deepen our understanding or loosen it. So, along the lines of, this is the pure land, but it is up up to us to make it so, we can equally say that life itself is Zen, but it is up to us to make it so. So the question is, how do we do that? And as we examine this together, I would like to look at a few words from Jayata, which I spoke about last week or last week's day show. When Jayata awakened from his rigid understanding of Zen, he said, If you want to realize uncontaminated knowledge, you should maintain your true self. If you want to maintain your true self, you should know that from birth to death, it is just this. And then I also quoted two poems that he wrote. First one, he said, Nothing is born, nothing dies. Nothing to hold on to, and nothing to release. Samsara is nirvana. There is nothing to attain. And the second one, when we realize that afflictions are none other than enlightenment, we can ride the waves of birth and death in peace, traveling in the boat of compassion on the ocean of delusion, smiling the smile of non-fear. So looking at those, looking at everything I just mentioned, how do you, sustain the link? How do you stay connected? What works for you? And also, how do you know when you start to veer off, right? So we can go from being intimately connected to practice and having some, some sense or some level of clarity to completely losing touch with it. And this can happen in, in a minute or in a week, right? Or in a month. Right so it's very personal all of it is very personal So how do you maintain this how do you not fall into the conventional reality Also how do you see that what we are talking about in terms of zen practice is actually none other than your life right so we can say that zen practice is your life's practice right so do we see the connection between all the various traditional, formal aspects of practice and everyday life? Or is it this versus that? And if it's this versus that, then the that, meaning everyday life, will take over and the this, meaning formal practice, will become a burden, which I may or may not have time for, or energy for, or space in my head for. Right? I don't have time is a statement that practitioners often relate to, right? Often feel like, yeah, I have a lot going on in my life. But then when we say that, who is saying that everything I have, that I have going on in my life is none other than my practice, right? Or in other words, who is creating the divide between formal practice and everything else I do from the moment I wake up until the moment I go to sleep? So what is practice for you? And one last thing I want to say about that is, what does it mean for you to stay engaged with the three treasures? The Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. What does that mean? Not what it means in a book. Not textbook explanation. That's meaningless. What does it mean for you in your life? I know those are big questions. But I want to at least initiate that exploration today. So, how about if we begin with Razan, since we haven't seen him for a while, and uh, we would love to hear from him. <clears throat> Good morning, everyone.
1: Um, Razan is in Seattle. Uh, having just crawled out of bed at um, 6.30 or some hour. um, um, In response to these issues, these issues, um, the song that's in my head at the moment is I Get Knocked Down But I Get Up Again, whatever that song was from, um, and it seems relevant here that um, i seem to catch myself every once in a while realizing that the realization comes that i'm not doing what i think i should be doing um the realization isn't the other way that all of a sudden um everything comes together and is great um at least sometimes it works that way Anyway, the realization that um, particularly my issue lately is the self is expanding, uh, and that I kind of realize that I'm in a place where I have shrunk myself, or I'm living with a very small self. And um, I kind of catch myself and wonder why am I? Why am I doing this? Why have I? Why have I um, got caught up in living with this small self that, um, you know, gets concerned with whatever the momentary concern is. Um, Currently, we're in the midst of COVID. Um, I came to Seattle to visit my grandchild, and shortly after landing, a couple days later, I got COVID. Segyoka got COVID, my son got COVID, his wife got COVID, our grandchild got COVID. So we're all living with COVID. Um, And we're supposed to go home two weeks later tomorrow. And Segyoka this morning has come down with a fever again. So two weeks into it, she's still cycling the COVID through her body. Um, And it's easy to get caught up in you know, all the things that are waiting for us at home, all the things that need to be done. Um we don't really have time for COVID. Um and um COVID doesn't seem to care a whole lot. Um as do many of the other things um that the uh, small self thinks are so important. Um So yeah, those moments of uh, the realization, waiting for the realization of getting big is nice and when that can happen, but it's the other realization that I'm settling for something small when um, there's options at the moment that I could follow to um, make myself bigger, the provisional self, not the uh, not that narrow self anyway, first thoughts on first arising glad to be sharing this practice with all of you
0: that's very helpful thank you, thank you Razan so yeah, to keep that as as one ancient said, right, to keep the essence on the tip of your nose, right, so you never lose sight of it at all times, right? And then to see, here's what's happening, I have no choice over that. But I have a lot of freedom in regards to how I meet this moment, right? So when we talk about practice, we are talking about seeing that there is more than one way to meet the moment. Right whatever it is there is more than one way to meet the moment and you talk about expansion only when we expand we see that there's more than one way to meet the moment when we contract there is only one way right that's the way because our view is very limited right the view of the small eye right the small self is very limited so that's all we see so I'm going to be grumpy because grumpiness is the only way to meet the moment and I'm going to complain Because for the same reason, I'm going to judge for the same reason. But you said something about again and again, right? To never give up in a way, right? So even when we get caught up, it doesn't mean we should give up. We try again and again and again. So we contract and we work on expanding. And this is where it's important to know how to turn towards the Dharma, right? Towards the teachings and realize this can help me. This can energize me. Right? Whether it's listening to a show, whether it's sitting with a sangha, reaching out to a teacher right, and uh, setting up a conversation or a time to meet and talk about things, reaching out to another sangha member. There are many ways to engage with the practice, not for the sake of the practice, for the sake of awakening, for the sake of seeing that there is a way to expand. Regardless of how busy I think I am, or regardless of how challenging my life is, there is another way, or there are many other ways. So, thank you. Okay, so who's next? Who wants to share a few words? Yeah, Kelly. Good
2: morning, everyone. Um, when I, um, when I think of this, uh, this, this, question, um, the word appreciation comes to mind, um, I think that that is kind of where I am when I'm, when I'm in the pocket of Zen practice, which is our lives, um, I'm feeling, uh, appreciative. Um, and that can take many forms. It's not necessarily that I like everything or, am am, um, enthusiastic about everything, but I think appreciation can take a deeper, more subtle level. Um, that I can't, it's, it's a little bit of the backwards step and to notice and take stock of the, the, I mean, I think that's that expansive mindset that, um, Rezaan and and Roshi were discussing just now. Um, And and it's the clue as well for me when I'm off course is when I start to be grumpy or to sort of condemn or criticize or judge. There's um, the absence of appreciation sort of and the presence of, um, yeah, just kind of, um, for lack of a better word, negativity. Um, and usually I, 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 think that that is maybe a bit simplified, but, um, at the, at its essence, that's sort of how I start to catch myself when I'm off course. Um, and I really like what you just said about, um, you know, the Dharma and our sangha, um, in terms of how we can sort of, how I can bring myself back. Um, it's. Usually it's not usually, um, I, I, I find myself like kind of lost for a couple of days or even a little longer and then don't realize it until somewhere in there. And it can be hard to get back. Mm -hmm. Um, it actually really can be, I think that the, that we get sort of caught in our, our habits and our ways of thinking that are, are kind of negative or kind of, um, I don't know, just, uh, just grumpy, <laughs> um, but, but, and, and it can take, it can take a deeper commitment to and discipline with this practice that, that requires, I think, mutual support in whatever forms we can, we, we, we can, and, and do like step back towards that. So, um, yeah, but the, 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 question of appreciation is sort of my, I think is, is what's coming to mind for, for my clues for this question.
0: Thank you. Thank you. You know, discipline and appreciation actually go very well together because if we're not disciplined, we are actually less likely to appreciate. So you said you said two things that are actually deeply connected, right? So Joshua asked a question, right? Can you value this without reservations? Right? So in one of the, the discussions with, with one of his students, Monks he asked, Can you value this without reservations? Reservations. And he's asking us that question on a daily, momentary basis. Can I value this without reservations? Now, obviously, there are many reservations. There are many things I I don't like it. And because I don't like it, then, of course, how can I value what I don't like? Or why should I value what I don't like? Right? It doesn't make sense. But there is a way. And through discipline, we can realize the preciousness that we become blinded to because of our feelings, thoughts, feelings, emotions, whatever arises in us, blocks preciousness. We get caught up in it. And because of that, we don't see how precious it is. And we say, well, it's not precious. But how how do I come up with that conclusion, right? What leads me to that conclusion? We have to examine. So through discipline, right? And discipline means getting up. Waking up on time to do what we need to do, right? To practice, to sit on a regular basis. Even when I'm tired, right? It means doing what we need to do. What we do... Hang on one second. What? What? Did you guys hear me? Something happened. Uh connection was lost. You can hear me now? Okay. When did I freeze? <laughs> that would be a challenge was, to to remember what I you
2: were, you were discussing how uh we can make we can value without reservations.
0: That's it. That's as far as I got with that. Okay. Uh okay, so I did say, one thing I did say at the beginning is that there is a very, very strong connection between discipline and appreciation, right? If we're not disciplined, we are unable to appreciate because we get caught up in our thoughts and emotions, right? So what we need to do is tighten up things in a way that that allows us to appreciate, not in a way that makes us rigid, right? Then we're not using discipline well. But to use discipline in a way that helps me be reminded of how precious that is and how easily I get caught up in my own little cocoon, my own world, my own circumstances, right? And issues that, I, that I'm that i going through. Yes, we have many challenges. Of course we do. And we have to take care of things on a regular basis, obviously. But that doesn't mean that I'm unable to appreciate, I'm unable to stay connected with the practice, right? So to turn towards the Dharma, to turn, to, to turn towards the teaching, right? To, to, to reach out to someone, I, I mentioned before to, to listen to a teacher, right? Or to pick up a book, Dharma, Dharma-related book or Zen-related book and read a paragraph or two, right? Not for the sake of accumulating some kind of knowledge, but more for the sake of being reminded of who we truly are. Being reminded of who we truly are, right? So everything is going on in our lives is not an obstacle, is, is nothing but an opportunity, right? As as he says here, traveling in the boat of compassion on the ocean of delusion, smiling the, the smile of non-fear. Right? So traveling in the chaos of everyday life, but being staying grounded, being rooted in the Dharma. And being rooted in the Dharma doesn't mean that this is an obstacle, right? I, I can assign it, I can assign a label to that, and the label may say, this is an obstacle for, for my practice. And when I assign the label, it does become an obstacle, right? Life circumstances become an obstacle. This person or those situations do become an obstacle for me because I decided that that's what that is. But other than me, who else is going to decide that, right? So it's very personal. It's extremely intimate and personal. So, I don't know if I said anything else when I was frozen, but maybe. Anyway, thank you. Uh, who wants to uh, share? Yes, Dion. Good morning.
3: Um, thank you. <laughs> For me, it's um, understanding the ebb and flow um, and being honest with my actions. I tend to go overboard and be more rigid in my practice. Um, And then I become resentful (laughs) and want to step away. So when that feeling of um, the tightening is too much, I tend to understand that I need to be more connected with others because I do go insular. So what does that look like? Perhaps, perhaps, um, contacting Kelly, <laughs> um, perhaps, um, being more into the things that I like, um, doing things that bring me joy because I know what I do. I know that I can, I can be that person that, um, is all about rigidity. And so being more creative, because when I get to the point of being rigid, then I don't paint, then I'm not creative. Um, And then I'm asking myself, what am I doing? Where am I going with this? So there's a lot of of, um, questioning myself and sometimes that's a daily thing and that's okay. But um, you all talked about appreciation. Um, I always get reminded When I get to that point that I'm like, I'm tired of this, um, that you all are here. Uh, I was practicing some semblance of Buddhism for many years, but it was by myself. So to actually be a part of a morning practice of sitting with others, that gives me great joy. And if the opportunity comes up and um, say that someone needs me to do zazen, I'm going to do it. Um, sometimes I'm nervous about it, uh, <laughs> I have trepidations about it, but at the same time, uh, to know that the, the sangha is here, this sangha is here, it, it great, gives me great joy and to know that that is something that I can rely on. So, um, yeah, understanding the ebb and flow, having deep appreciation, and sometimes being more connected with others is, is what I do, what I do.
0: Thank you, Dion. So, so you know, the, the online, right, the online aspect of our Sangha, right, the fact that we are scattered and yet we're able to maintain this, I think it's phenomenal, right? And I don't think we should take it for granted. I don't think we should just rely on it without understanding that when we log in, we, we, we nurture it. It's not that, well, it's there and I'm going to be helped by that, right? That's one-sided. Every time you log in, every time you wake up and you're there on time, you help nurturing this, right? You are giving, giving life to this. So you're sustaining that, right? So the appreciation actually it goes both ways, right? So, so everybody that's there is appreciating you and you appreciate everybody that's there showed up for you. So we always show up for each other. And what we're trying to do, what we have been doing and maintaining is actually, I think, quite amazing right? Because we are scattered, right? You know, some people are local, some people in other places. Yet we're able to maintain connection, and not just a connection, but a deep connection, right? And I think it's phenomenal, and I think we should not take it for granted, and realize that, you know, uh, maintaining this for the future, or in the future, is actually directly dependent on each of your personal practice, your practice, Without your practice, without your discipline and your appreciation, it will not survive. It will fall apart. And I think we have to understand that, right? It's not, well, the Sangha is there and I'm going to do whatever I do, and then once in a while I'm going to show up, right? That's a partial understanding. It's also a contracted way of seeing life and a contracted way of understanding the three treasures, Right? So there is an expansiveness in that. And also, whatever, whatever I do, wherever I end up during the day, I'm, I can still be a part of the Sangha. I can still be a part of the practice. Even if I haven't showed up to form a practice for some time, it doesn't mean I cannot sustain it. And uh, speak of that, I want Laszlo to say a few words about that because uh, Laszlo, I think, is a good example of somebody who You guys don't see much because he's very busy uh, with his work, uh, on weekends especially. But uh, Laszlo and I do talk on a regular basis. We meet on a regular basis. And he he always finds a way to sustain his practice, stay connected. He's up on the teishos. He knows what's going on. So go ahead, Laszlo, please. Say a few words about that.
4: Morning, everybody. Can, can you all hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, yeah. So when it when it comes to the practice, I I try not to think about it too much. To tell you all the truth, um, uh, what gives me a great uh, strength and you know motivation is that is is, is the fate. Roshi and I we talked about it a, a couple of times. Um, it never ever occurred to me. You know, ever since I joined the sangha and you know started practicing zazen, that this is not the way, or this is something that you know not sustainable, or this is not the um, you know the way moving forward. And this is very important to me to say that you know this is not going to be you know away from me. I never ever uh, said that I don't like this anymore, or I don't want to do it anymore. This is like a burden on me or anything like that. This is very important to me that it comes natural the second thing is that yeah there are hiccups uh, you know in my um, practice here and there a uh, the couple of days that i escaped it's just you know work schedule and i don't i don't want to uh, justify it i don't want to say that this is bad or anything like that i don't want to do this to become a burden or 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 a overwhelmingly positive thing when I, when I sit down i just i just do it whenever i can uh what i do is that well because of my schedule obviously i can show up here all the all the time for uh for, for sundays and uh, the mornings as well, which i would love to do or the nights as end well, of the evening well, for for that matter um but um roshi and i we meet regularly and then we we you know uh, uh, to, to talk about you know um, um practicing as well. i do I do listen to a lot of Dharma talks. Uh, you know, throughout the day I commute a lot, so I have usually an hour and going to work and coming back. Also, um, I try to keep up with the uh, um, um, the teachings that that are um, that are given. Um, uh, what what I think the, the key thing in this is that as as Roshi always says, and his words are key. You know, keep ringing in my ears that uh this is something that you can practice any minute essentially and that's what i try to do that's the meeting throughout my day not just you know interactions with my with my family members or at work or anybody you know throughout the day that i meet while well, commute community just live, live my life essentially there's always an opportunity to um to um to to, to practice it um uh, like we talked about uh you know <laughs> being grumpy or or you know not putting up necessarily wanting to put up with, with certain things in life and this is something that i practice every single day and then and, and i am truly happy about it that you know this this became the part part of my life and it doesn't you know doesn't life doesn't leave me I, I live my life essentially so so there are other ways that uh that um yeah and and then obviously the only only thing that they are really missing is this it, with you guys uh, with the Sunday, Hopefully, um, within a, f- a few months or so, my schedule will change and I should be uh, able to hear on Sundays. Maybe the next session when it's going to be in October. I already requested some days off for that. So so we'll see how I can tighten my uh, relationship with the Sun in, in the future.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Laszlo. Also, you shared with me a couple of stories from your work, right? You work at the front desk in a hotel. Uh, you yeah. meet people on a regular basis you actually see the drama, right? The drama-creating mechanism, right? Yeah. When people show up, when, yeah. you know, when they have yeah. issues that are going on, right? And, yeah. and I think it's important to, to, to see, to, well, what we are talking about is always there, right? We're talking about seeing the drama-creating mechanism, we're seeing how we get caught up. And the way we get caught up has a personal manifestation, but it's also universal. We all get caught up in our own different ways. But the, the getting caught up is itself universal. And when you look at other people and you study, you realize, yeah, I'm doing that too. And you know, so it allows you to look at your own getting caught up and at your own freeing yourself from getting caught up, right? So looking around, paying attention on a regular basis. And the other thing is to get rid of our idea of what we think formal practice means. What we think Zen is. Or I am not doing this, this or that. Or therefore I am not a Zen practitioner. That's in the head. That's made up. Zen, Zen practice is nothing. Therefore it is everything. If we, if we think Zen practice is something. Then that creates a problem. Because it creates its opposites. It creates sometimes yes, sometimes no. But if I get rid of the idea of Zen then what isn't an opportunity to practice? How could that even be? The getting stuck and getting unstuck has a lot to do with that. So anyway, thank you, Laszlo. All right, who wants to share next? Elv, good morning.
3: Hey, good morning. I just have a couple thoughts. Um, one thing that struck me is that, um, Roshi and
4: I meet every other week to talk one-on-one and
3: there have been a couple times where something scheduling or communication wise has happened that causes a hiccup and we need to reschedule or address it. And, in those hiccups, so I uh, sometimes I'll be like, "Well, um, my practice is going pretty good, so uh, catch you next week, <laughs> or uh, maybe we can uh, reconnect, you know, the next time." And um, I've had that thought, but we we've still made the effort to reconnect. Um, And the interesting thing about that is these kind of, it's nice to have a routine of um, this like routine with my zazen practice. Because when I do sit down to talk to Roshi, suddenly all this stuff comes up and I'm like, wow, um, my practice is real, there's a lot going on here. Um, and it's not just like, yeah, I've been sitting every day. It's fine. Cool. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes I'm like, man, what are we going to talk about? Because, and there's always something to talk about. And I feel like, uh, Zazen can kind of be like that too. Um, and that, yeah, there's just something nice about routine and, um, not have it if I left it up to myself to make the decision every time, do I need to sit? Do I need to show up for, do I need to listen to the Tei Show? Do I need to talk with Roshi? Um, that would be much harder. Um, and then another thing I was just thinking about was um, I recently got um I went to a friend's house for like a celebration and around I would say like hour four of being there I was like kind of ready to go home um but my ride uh the person that had driven me there was not ready to go home they wanted to stay for quite a bit longer and this person, this friend who drove me is older than me and I really respect them. And I like the pace at which they take life. And so, you know, they weren't ready to leave. So I just got back in the pool. We kept floating around on these floaties. And one of the things my friend said um, was um, something like, I, I'm really enjoying this boredom And I just really like how they put that and I see it in how they live their life. Um, I like that pace of sticking with something until you're bored with it and then even further through the boredom too. Um, And I think a lot of times in my life, like I'll do something until I feel bored with it and I'll move on to the next thing and I'll move on to the next thing and I just
0: think there's a lot of value in um, sticking with it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Right, there's a lot of value. Actually, that's where it happens, right? So if you remember, Dogen said, it is not measured by deep or shallow, only by the degree of determination to the practice, right? It's not, and this is really what it is, right? It's not that, you know, a good Zen practitioner has done, has passed so many koans. And has, has done so many sessions and all that stuff. That's not what it is. That's not what it's about. Or has read all these books, right? To be dedicated means to be dedicated, right? And that's where the practice happens. Never mind how much I've done, read, or realized. As long as you're dedicated, you're dedicated, right? And when you start to veer off, to know i need to turn to the to to uh, the aspects that remind me of my practice right so so having conversations with a teacher on a regular basis act as a reminder we forget we veer off and we forget so then there is you know it could be 20 30 minute discussions like oh yeah i got it right there it is right i, I got distracted thank you for mirroring to me mirroring me to me that's what it is right it's not well take a look at the practice no take a look at yourself because you have lost you because of everything that's happening in your life you got caught up in this and you have lost yourself therefore i'm here to to mirror you to you that's that's the only thing a dharma teacher can do right because a dharma teacher does not give anything to the student that the student does not already have, right? That just doesn't work this way. But the Dharma teacher or any aspect of teachings mirror us to ourselves. Then we realize, I'm getting caught up in stuff and there is another way to be here. And it's phenomenal, As long as there is, and it works. As long as there is sincerity, genuine approach, it works. So, and and it goes both ways. So, it's not just a Dharma teacher is reminding you of you. You are reminding the Dharma ch- teacher of themselves as well, like anything else, right? It's not one directional. So, thank you. All right, we still have a few more minutes. Anyone else? Okay. Koge, where are you? Yes good morning
5: um good morning um i want to say that for me it was the enlightened way is unsurpassable i vow to embody it you know i mean i said i'm disciplined i think that the more you sit the more disciplined and the more you appreciate the practice and the impact it has on your life but you know you had suggested early morning sits that was like wow a big turning point for me because it was sitting with the group um it was a regular practice but it just altered things by getting up earlier and just sitting um and i just and it's a commitment and people say appreciation whatever and i still say it is a commitment you commit to the way and to embody it as much as you can and the other thing i want to say is that this sangha is really very special i don't know if you appreciate it i mean i've been you know other sanghas this is a tight community this is a community that supports one another that is there that we have the regular morning practice but also our special sunday you know you know I think it's just uh, invaluable, um, and just being here for it, and and sharing, and the sharing is so important, I think, because it broadens our own little selves, like we get locked into our own feelings that, geez, you know, other people feel the same way, and it's okay, we can watch it, um, and for me, in my daily life, it's I I try to be more aware and there's sometimes it's like, what's going on, I'm not aware. It's almost like I'm I'm, on robot, you know, it's like one thing after another, I'll say, oh, stop, what's happening? What's important? What are you doing? Where is your awareness? So for me, daily practice is really that. It's it's embracing and embodying that and, and being aware of, you know, what's happening in my daily life. And so I'm saying that I just deep bounce to Roshi and and to the sound of which I think is so so precious.
0: Thank you very much, Kogi, for for saying that. This is very important to to say, and it's very important to hear, right? Because we can, like we said before, easily get caught up, right? And, uh, yes, I I vow to realize, right, on a regular basis. Also, delusions are inexhaustible, right? We chant that as well. It's inexhaustible, so never mind again and again. I just, here I am again, right? So, and we're chanting that, right? We're chanting that to be reminded of the many challenges, right? And to be reminded that there is a way, different way to meet those challenges. Right? So so it's very important. The other thing is also nurturing the sacred fetus, which you've heard before that term, right? We are nurturing the sacred fetus. Right? And if we're not nurturing that, we're nurturing something else. Right? If we don't turn towards the Dharma, we actually are nurturing something else that is very harmful. Right? So it's not I'm going to be in between, because if I am not devoted to a practice of realization, I am devoted to a practice of delusion. That's what I do. Because I go along with the convention. I go along with the small I. And I actually nurture the small I. Right? So it's not... There's no neutral. I'm either doing this or doing that. So that's where discipline comes in. Right? So, so I vow to... And then you said commitment too. I vow to keep nurturing. And commitment also. We have to learn to... Uh, change the way we see that word, right? It's not, it can seem like a burden, right? I mean, I think conventionally, this word seems like a burden for people, but we may need to examine, what does that make me feel when I, when I hear the word commitment? Do I cringe? Do I, well, I'm not sure if I can. Oh, the, yes, I'm going to fully commit. The question is to what, right? I am going to fully commit to being human, this is what we're talking about. So what's the alternative? Right? So if, I'm, if I realize that what we're doing is committing to, be, to being fully a human being, authentically to be a human being, then why would we not want to do that? It's not complicated. Of course, it's challenging, greatly challenging, but the practice itself, or what the practice is asking us to, is not complicated. So we have to, on a regular basis, make it real, make it about our lives. So, anyway, thank you, Koge. All right, any last words before we wrap this up? How about Kojin?
6: Good morning, everyone. About the metaphor of um, the session schedule for a second, right? So, those of you that have experienced it, when you start session, there's a lot of negotiating going on between you and yourself, right? Do do this? Do I want to do that? How do I feel about this? How do I feel about that? But then after a certain point. When your, I guess you call it your ego or yourself just comes to the realization that this is what we're doing, then that kind of stops. A conversation sort of stops or it subsides a little bit. And then we leave Sashin, you know, all energized in our practice, back to our regular lives. And then we've all experienced this and some of you have talked about it that it all kind of falls apart, right? We get back into the the things that we do every day. And all of a sudden, the practice is not front and center anymore. Just one of these other things that we could be doing, right? Or that we have to do, right? So I think of it in terms of, of self-discipline. Not, not in terms of, you know, I don't eat red meat, or I need to Or I need to do this, or I need to do that. Those things are important, but that's not the kind of self-discipline I'm talking about. The self-discipline is that conversation you have with yourself that you're always having, right? Says, I don't want to do this, I want to do this. Right. Or you say to yourself, you know, let's not sit right now, you know, let's go outside, right? And then it becomes a burden because you know you know you're supposed to sit but you don't want to sit you want to go do something else and you know and this conversation just goes back and forth back and forth and you don't know who to listen to you don't know which self to listen to am i listening to this self or am i listening to this self am i listening to the big self the small self myself yourself whatever so the question of self-discipline is managing that conversation that you have with yourself right Mm -hmm. it's like what ego trying to tell you what is that ego trying to hold on to and why is it even an issue that we're doing this now instead of doing something else Mm -hmm. so the practice for me right now it's been different it's changing this is just right now right now is managing this conversation i have with myself and and putting both selves together so there is you know doing wanting one thing and then dharma self wanting another thing that they're both just kind of oneself and I think it's very important to understand that your ego is not going to go away it's never going to go away you can't you can't put it under a pillow you can't ignore it you can't push it away it's always going to be there So if it's always going to be there and it's always part of you and it's always you, it's time to do the dishes. This is a mundane example, but if it's time to do the dishes, we're just doing the dishes, right? It's not that I don't want to do the dishes. I want to watch TV, right? We're doing the dishes now, you know, we're watching. Schedule takes over. And we're not really thinking about, well, should I be doing this? Uh, I'd rather be doing something different. You can't be doing something different because the schedule and the container is. That's what I. Direction that's conducive to actually appreciating our lives. So that's what I have to say on that.
0: Thank you. Some of it was actually cut off. There is a problem with what's going on today, but there's a problem with uh, with Zoom. Uh, it's glitchy. I'm not sure what. So we lost some of what you were trying to say. Roshi, you're muted. I'm muted. Hang on one second. Okay, uh, thank you. So what I was saying is that uh, Zoom seemed to be glitchy today in terms of connection. So uh, Koji, we were not able to hear everything you said. Uh, So we're gonna have to leave it at that. And, uh, but we're gonna have to wrap it up. So I just wanna thank everybody for being here today. Uh, We did record it and we will share it, uh, not to be posted, but just so we can hear it, okay, For, for ourselves. So, anyway, uh, to be continued, uh, thank you for your practice. Please keep it alive. Please keep the finger on the pulse, as we always say, right? And, And recognize your own veering off, right? And when you veer off, do something about it. Don't just keep veering off. Snap out, do something about it. Turn to what has helped you in the past, and it will help you again. So reach out, okay? All right, thank you all and enjoy this long weekend and I will see you soon.